Welcome to the Underrepresented in Tech podcast, hosted by Michelle Frechette and Ali Nimmons. Underrepresented in Tech is a free database built with the goal of helping people find new opportunities in WordPress and tech overall. Hi, Ali. Hi, Michelle. I'd ask how you are, you? but I can hear you have a little cold. Yeah, I got a little cold. That's okay. I'll sip on my tea and um, I'll be all right. Well, I hope it's just a little one. It's not too bad. It's not COVID. I took a test, which I guess that's just going to be the normal thing now. It's like, oh, I'm I know, sick. Like, I should take a COVID test, huh? I, after <laughs> WordCamp Rochester, I was very wheezy the next day. And so I thought, oh, no, this is how it starts. So I waited a day, right? Like, gave myself an opportunity to see what was going to happen and I woke up the next day and it was still kind of that way so I took a COVID test it's it's negative it turns out I'm allergic to pecans and so I was eating butter tarts that somebody brought that Shantanathwani actually brought me from Canada and I ate them one a day and was still wheezing Um, and then when I stopped eating those it got better and I knew I was allergic to walnuts but now I know I can't eat pecans either if the nut I didn't know like you were a, allergic to walnuts. If it looks like a brain, I can't eat it, apparently. <laughs> so. That's so interesting. I wonder, I mean, I know that some allergies, uh, like, present themselves, Later. like, at various points in your life, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're not born with it, mm-hmm. um, which just terrifies me because it's like, okay, cool, one day I'm just going to be allergic to something and, and not know. Yeah, it's exactly. Terrifying. Yeah. So I'm breathing much better, which is good news. <laughs> <laughs> good anyway it's good to see you you too i'll try not to cough too i'll try and mute myself when i have to cough okay no so worries. our losers don't have to hear me <laughs> um but yeah today i wanted to so i've been doing a lot more like kind of formal reading and self-education about diversity equity inclusion and belonging and i've been reading this book called so you want to talk about race and it's written by a black woman and it is mostly for non i guess people of color to read to understand better how to have conversations around race as allies and it's a really interesting book to read from that perspective because it just teaches me how to be a better ally to other people mm-hmm. um and how to explain these concepts to other people in ways that make a lot of sense mm-hmm. and there's a, most of everything she says in this book, I really agree with. It's an incredible book. Um, but she says, she said one thing that I've been thinking about like nonstop since I, since I read that chapter. And I think that this can apply to lots of under, under, un, lots of other underrepresented communities and not just black people. Mm-hmm. But in the book, she says, you know, she talks about how sometimes when we are having a hard conversation um you might hear someone say you know well this isn't this isn't about race like why do you have to bring race into it or why do you have to bring gender into it why do you have to bring you know uh being disabled into it like it's not about that and what she says is that if the person in the room who is underrepresented says this is about race or this is about gender, then it is Mm -hmm. because their experience is coloring that situation in a way that the other person might not understand. Mm -hmm. And the example that she uses 
is how once she was followed around a store Mm -hmm. by an employee, which happens to Black people because we are typically more, uh, people assume that we are going to steal more than other types of people. And so employees might, you know, keep an extra eye on the Black person who just walked into the store to make sure they're not going to steal anything. Mm-hmm. So she was followed around the store by an employee. And it made her really uncomfortable. It made her really upset. And she says that maybe that employee was, like, it was their first day. And they were just really eager. And they really wanted to make sure that everything, they kept an eye on everything. Or maybe that store had had a huge rash of shoplifting recently. And so they're extra vigilant about everyone who comes in. But the fact of the matter is that Black people are more highly scrutinized for things like that and are more highly, it's more highly assumed that they're going to commit a crime than white people. So either the that store clerk was aware of that fact and followed her around anyway and was dismissive of the fact that it would be a more unpleasant experience for her than it might be for someone else. Or they were so privileged that they didn't think about that and just did it anyway, um, right? Or weren't aware of that as a as a kind of social norm because of their privilege. In both cases, there is a racial issue here that we have to discuss: either that this person is being really insensitive, or that this person is so privileged that they're not aware of their racial insensitivity. And I think that concept is really interesting because while I agree with her, and I was telling you this, Michelle, before the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Recently, there was an instance where a Black singer marched into a Target with a bunch of her backup dancers, and they were trying to shoot a music video in the middle like, of the Target. There were like 12 people. I mean, we're not talking one or two people. It was a big entourage. A lot of people doing like choreographed dances in the middle of an aisle, a main aisle in a Target. And a white male employee was like, y'all got to get the heck up out of here. You can't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she cried racism all day long. Mm-hmm. right like oh like that guy was being so racist and blah 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 I think <laughs> that race had nothing to do with that not right. even a, not even a little bit mm-hmm. I mean maybe that guy was racist I don't know but like you can't do stuff like that that's no you know you're and if an, if a if somebody in private property asks you to leave and you don't I'm pretty sure you're breaking the law so you, you can can't break the law. Yeah. yeah. You can't break the law and then be like, well, I got in trouble because they were racist. Yeah. That doesn't jive. Yeah. Did, have so you seen I have think, you seen huge groups of white girls dancing and being allowed to finish? And then you got kicked right? out, right? Exactly. I'm, and you know what? Every time we, we were talking about when you're talking about before and now, you see every time, like both times we talked about this in the last 15 minutes. Um the word race card comes to me, right? Like you hear people say, oh, they're playing the race card. I think there's a huge difference between standing up for yourself and your rights and playing the race card, right? So like in the, in the situation where it's clearly obvious that somebody is targeting you, you're being followed, you're, you know, you're being accused, whatever, um, that is standing up for yourself and your rights. Doing something illegal and then crying, it's because I'm Black, that I would say is when somebody can actually accuse you of playing the race card because you're now trying to turn the the 
the wrongness, I can't think of the right word to say, you're trying to make it be the other person's fault um, for mm-hmm. doing something that you shouldn't have been doing. Right. And it's interesting in both of those situations, right? Like the being followed around the store, I don't want to be followed around the store. I want to be treated the same way as everyone else right. who are not being followed around the store. Mm-hmm. The girl dancing in the Target, like you said, pretty sure there was nobody else dancing in the Target. So she didn't want to be treated the same as everyone else. She wanted to be allowed to do something that she wasn't supposed to be doing. And when that was taken away, she brought in the race card. So I feel like, and I feel like you can draw the woman card and say, well, I want special preferential treatment because I'm a woman. And that's very different than saying, you know, please don't talk over me in a meeting. Right. And somebody saying, well, you're playing the woman card. It's like, no, I want to be treated the same as right. you would treat any other person who is yeah. not black, who is not a woman, who is blah, blah, blah. It's like when I get those DMs we've talked about, I get them all the time, right? And and they're like, um, you're so beautiful. And I'm like, oh, would you say that to a man that you were messaging on Twitter? No, you would not, right? So why would you say that to me? It has nothing to do with gender or sex at all. It's just treat people the same in situations like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There was some, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Cause I need to cough anyway. Okay. <laughs> I saw a TikTok recently, which when you talked about following around the store, I have two stories with that. The first one is my daughter has been followed in stores before. And she clearly, it was, she was the only person being followed in a store where there was more than one person in the store. Right. So it was, they weren't following everybody. They were following her and that made her feel icky. And, you know, she, she, part of her wanted to go up there and pay for like five pairs of shoes to show them. But the other part was like, why would I give this place money if they're treating me like this? So there's, what do you do in that situation? Right. But she also didn't want to cause a big issue and get trespassed from the store either. And, you know, and she was much younger then. So like, she's, she's an older, which is that older, she's your age, but she's, she was in her early twenties when that happened. And she didn't know how to, how to handle that other than to just like, forget it. I'm out of here kind of thing. But recently, and I saw it on TikTok and I just looked it up so that we could include it in the show notes, is there was a story of a black man and his family at the museum and his children were behaved. It wasn't like they were running amok and people thought that they were going to, you know, knock things over or whatever. And a museum employee started following them from room to room. And he turned on his phone and he turned to the employee and he's like, are you going to follow me everywhere? And the guy just like wouldn't even hardly respond to him or anything like that. So, I mean, you can look at the story later, but but it was exactly what you're talking about. Like they weren't following other families. They weren't following Mm -hmm. other people. They were following the black man with his kids. And so, yeah, like what do you do in that situation? I really don't know. And like there are, it's so dangerous now. It's hard to stand up for yourself sometimes because you don't know if somebody is going to respond in a way that is violent. Um, Mm -hmm. As like in this particular story, I don't have kids, but I would imagine if I was somewhere with my kids, I would be even more scared Mm -hmm. of how I'm going to react because I don't want my kids to get hurt. I don't want my kids to, um, I don't, I don't want to put my kids through that type of a tense situation where they feel like somebody is attacking them. Mm or I don't want them to see even me worse. get upset and heated and, you know. And you don't want to put your children in a case where somebody's going to get harmed because we all know that just being Black means that you are a target of physical confrontation more than somebody who is white 
every day of the year. And so you yeah. also have to worry about your physical safety and that of your children as well. Yeah. That's so scary. That's so terrifying. Yeah. And I mean, it just, I always think I, it, it brings me back to, yeah, when people decide to say, you know, well, it's, it's not about race. I wasn't trying to make it about race. I'm not being racist. I have, you know, it's policy or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And I would just really, if there's anyone who is listening, who has said that before, who has been ac- accused mm-hmm. of doing or saying something racist or sexist or ableist, and you've said that wasn't my intention and so you're wrong, like, think back on that situation and realize that your intention is not the same as an effect. Mm-hmm. If there is an effect, it still hurts that other person. Another really great um, thing that this woman talks about in this book, um, she's talking about microaggressions. And I mean, this comes into intent. She's talking about microaggressions. And um, she's like, if you're walking down the sidewalk, And every couple of minutes, when somebody passes you by, they punch you in the arm. And it's not every person, and it's not every time, but just every once in a while, you get punched in the arm. Mm -hmm. And you don't know when it's going to come. You don't know why it's happening. You can't stop it. You can only keep walking forward and Mm -hmm. keep getting punched in the arm. And then one person comes by, and maybe they're talking on the phone, and they're, like, using their arms and gesticulating wildly, and they hit you by accident. And you, that's the last straw. And you blow up at them and you scream and you yell at them. And they go, well, that wasn't my intention. It was an accident. It doesn't matter. You still got hit. You still got hurt. It's a hurt that's been building for all of this time. Mm -hmm. And even if that person says, you know, it's my God-given right to walk down the street and wave my arms around, it doesn't remove the fact that they hurt you. Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't remove the fact that if they decide to do that again, like any other time in the future that that happens, they can't say it was an accident. Right. Um, and that made me think a lot about intention and how we really like to say, well, that wasn't my intention. I didn't mean to. And somehow that removes, not even necessarily blame, but that removes responsibility or that removes right. involvement. And it's just not true. Yeah. The, the phrase, like the- we should care about the fact that we hurt somebody, whether or not we mm-hmm. meant to. It, it makes me think of a couple different phrases too, right? Like the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, it's all those little things that add up. It's like, if you start to put one piece of hay on a camel's back, they don't even notice 10, 15, 20, but you put a bale of hay and they're like, whoa, that's a lot. And you just keep adding it at some point, that last little tiny, tiny weight is what just causes them to crush. Right. And and the whole phrase like death by a thousand paper cuts. One paper cut, two paper cuts. At some point, you're bleeding so much that that last one is what did it in, right? So, like, it doesn't matter that you weren't the person that caused all 1,500 other paper cuts. You added one that caused the end or that caused the person to break or whatever, you know, whatever the right phrase is. But it it was the the point of, I can't take it anymore kind of thing. You're, You're muted. My bad. Everyone deserves to be believed, yes. right? Like if I tell you, hey, that what you just did was the last straw or what you just did was the last paper cut, you don't get to tell me no. Right. Like you don't get to tell me yeah. that, you know, it's not so bad or whatever. Right. <clears throat> because you 
you don't have the experience that I have. Um, and I think it scares people to think that their experience as a person is not complete. Right. Right. Like the things that we know to be true are always going to be incomplete because there's always going to be people who have different experiences mm-hmm. than us. Um, and I think that's a huge thing for allies to, that's like a third eye opening sort of moment, yeah, yeah, right? Of yeah. like, as an ally of like, my experience mm-hmm. is never going to be complete. There's always more that I can learn. And mm-hmm. if I hurt someone, the the best and really only thing I can do in that situation is to apologize and figure out how I can make it better. Right. Do I need to get you a Band-Aid? Right. Do I need to just remove myself from your space? Like, mm-hmm. what do I need to do to make it better? Because mm-hmm. um, it's like, can you imagine a child comes up to you and says, you know, I fell and scraped my knee, and you tell them, no, you didn't. Right. right. You know, like, that's There's... not going to make their knee hurt any less, yeah. you know? There are a lot of ways to react. And so if, if, if somebody says to you, that was the straw that broke the camel's back or, or they don't have to say that. Right. But it just is. And they, and they respond to you in a way that makes you like, what did I do? There are ways that you can respond. The one is to say, no, you didn't. No, I didn't. And just be obstinate. Another one is to say, um, I'm sorry, but, and then make an excuse. Another one is to say, I'm sorry and explain, which is not the same as making an excuse. Right. Or I'm sorry, explain. And how can I make it better? And the mm-hmm. last one is the one that we should be seeking to do when we harm somebody intentionally or otherwise. And what I'd even add to that is, I'm sorry, explain. Can I make it better by offering solutions? Mm-hmm. That's something that I've learned True. from you. Um, <clears throat> I think when I came to stay with you at a certain point, or maybe it was even before that, but I remember it will put you telling me like, it's less helpful when people say, what can I do for you? What can I do to help? What right. can I do to help? But it's more helpful when they say, can I do this? And True. you have every right or every you know ability to say, no, I'd rather do that or I can do that on my own. But I, this is something that you can do. Yeah. Right. Like, <clears throat> and I think that's this. I think it it extends to if you accidentally unintentionally hurt someone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much more proactive to say you know, I'm sorry, it wasn't my intention, this is why it happened, can we have a conversation about it, would you like me to just leave you alone, yeah. can we talk about it later, you know, like, offer, show that you actually give a crap, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that you know that there are solutions to be found, because then we start talking about, you know, we've talked about this before, putting the impetus on the hurt person, the marginalized person right. to solve the problem, you know, mm-hmm. um, Asking what can I do to help is definitely a good start. I'm not saying mm-hmm. don't ever do that. Right. But it is doubly helpful to try to think of what can you do and offer that as a solution. Absolutely. Give that person the ability to accept or deny the yep. help. No, Give them the power. Really good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am. And this is actually good advice, regardless of how you're hurting somebody, whether they're a marginalized person or not. Right. So if you're the person that just puts somebody over the edge, no matter what it is, that's always good. Right. So what you just said. So for example, um, like my, my dad passed away last year and people who said, let me know if you need anything. Like it didn't matter that I was disabled or not, or a woman or not, or any of that. Right. That, that was, that's nice. But the people that said, 
I'm coming over Friday night. I'm bringing dinner and wine. And I want to hear you talk about your dad. That's different, right? That was way different. Um, and I could say, oh, Friday won't work for me, or I'm not ready that right now, that kind of thing. Um, and, and those things, And but, but it was action as opposed to let me know if you need anything because I'm never going to call you, right? I'm never going to call you. Yeah. But exactly. You also made me think about like the conversation about like, um, you know, taking credit for somebody else's work, whether it really was or wasn't or that kind of thing is, uh, and then we should, we should make this a sticker. Okay. So I was, I said to you what I'm about to say, I wrote it down. Okay. If you want to get something done, make a white man think it was his idea. Damn. Because I have worked one. places before, specifically when I was running a massage school that I had ideas for ways that we could market, ways that we could improve, and none of them were ever good enough. But weeks down the road, man, that owner would re-come up with that idea, slightly change a little bit. He had the best ideas a week or two after I gave him the ideas. And so, yeah. and, and I'm pretty sure we've all seen something along those lines, right? So, yeah. That, that sucks. And that's another instance where, you know, if you point out that as a pattern, somebody could say, you know, well, you're bringing gender into it. Gender has nothing to do with it. But women are con that constantly happens to us, right? We're constantly All the time. talked over. We're constantly ignored. Our ideas are constantly, you know, our, our credit is taken. And so <clears throat> the person who says it's not about gender is either knows that it's about gender and is dismissing your feelings or is so wrapped up in their own sense of privilege that they can't see that it is about gender. Mm -hmm. So it is about gender. Yep. Absolutely. I just texted that to you. Oh, so we'd have that for later. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <For sure. clears throat> um, switching gears a little bit, but this episode will come out in the next couple of days. But by the time we record our next episode, our first webinar will have launched. Because that's next Wednesday. So let's talk a little bit about that webinar series. You got the schedule up in front of you, maybe? I know the first one is uh, Black Men in Tech. And I was I was incredibly privileged to speak with three men who I think are just rock stars in the tech community and listen to and ask questions about what their experiences are as Black men in, in the tech community. and. I'm just so excited for their voices to be for their voices to be heard uh, starting next Wednesday. Uh, do you have the other the rest of the schedule in front of you? We can talk a little bit about those different episodes. Yes, I do. Well, they're going up on a weekly basis. So yep. Um, yeah, so they're going up every Wednesday on our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. The first one is uh, focusing on black men, like you said. Um, and you know what? I'm going to put a little clip of that show in right now. So the first question I have is, what do you wish people knew or understood about what it is like to be a black man in tech? So, you know, often I am the only black person in the room. And sometimes, like you kind of alluded to, Michelle, um, I'm the only black man in the room. So I often feel the pressure of that I'm representing more than just me. And I don't like feeling that pressure. It's not a pressure that I kind of welcome. Uh, sometimes I get asked to represent uh, other uh, uh, Black people. So I was at one job 
and they wanted me to review some uh some wording on a website or something like that and uh they asked me to uh review it to make sure they weren't tripping over any words that would maybe offend people that it was attractive to black people and i had to tell my manager i don't do that <laughs> like i i don't know what they want to see i, I and I, I told her you know i'm not captain of the blacks <laughs> like i i don't I, I don't know there are people who have the ears to the ground they're trained uh they know they know what you should say and they could give help uh they cost a lot of money uh you can go hire that person i do not know what other black people want and i, I don't you know you shouldn't judge other black people based on me it, I have the sinking feeling that if a black man before me did something or did something wrong, it seems to have an impression on me. Mm. And I have the fear that if I do something wrong, if I flub in some way, it's going to uh, uh, play uh, in their minds to the next black person coming along. That was, that was the clip. Um, <laughs> and so then the next one, the, the 18th of October, is um, Naisha Green is speaking to three people who have disabilities that work in tech. The 25th of October, I spoke with three non-coder, non-developer, non-software engineers who work in tech. November 1st, Naisha spoke with three queer people who work in tech. Uh, November 8th, Michelle spoke with three non-native English speakers. That's probably my favorite. If I'm honest, that was one of my favorite ones. Um, that was a good conversation. That's that was one I was really really curious about, and I, I really wanted us to do that topic. And then November fifteenth is going to be uh, three people under the age of twenty five years old, um, yes. and that one had the added um, kind of uh, benefit. Is that the right word? The added so all three people that I spoke to are like WordPress nepo babies who like oh. their parents got them started in WordPress. Yeah. So we had a, a conversation about that as well of like being cool. someone who has had the privilege of being kind of injected into a community and having uh, opportunities that are a little bit more readily accessible to them, but then also the kind of like the need to break out of, uh, out of that mold or out of that expectation. Um, <clears throat> So like, well, I'm not just XYZ's kid. I can stand on my own two feet as a professional and blah, blah, blah. That was really, oh, cool. that went into a direction I wasn't, I didn't know it was going to go in. Um, but yeah, if you go to underrepresentedintech.com slash webinars, we have information about uh, the sponsors, the episodes, the panelists, um, all kinds of good stuff. And yeah, I'll put, I'll make sure to put links to all of that in the in the description. Show notes. I am just super excited about this. I love this idea. I don't remember which one of us came up with the idea. If we kind of just rolled it into conversation, that was mostly your idea. <laughs> oh, I, I honestly didn't remember, but I love how we worked through it together. How we brought Naisha in to help us with it, mm -hmm. and how the community supported it with the sponsorships that we that we got. So yeah, I'm just super excited about all of it. Yeah, me too. I'm stoked. The first one, even though I sounded super surprised, I don't want to make you panic. That first episode is like, it's edited, it's done. It's actually uploaded as a draft into YouTube right now. Like it's all ready. Yay. And I've been slowly working on editing all the other ones and making them look and sound really great. Um, and yeah, I'm really, I put a lot, I've like, I've been working really hard on editing these episodes. I I'm really proud of myself. That. 
<laughs> proud of you too. Thank you. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll leave you all with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, check out our chat. sticker shop because we got some good stickers in there too. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, under com slash it's right shop. Yes, slash shop. Yep, you can see all the fun things that we've been doing. Allie's been doing some really hard work, and I appreciate all that you do for us. Allie, thank Thanks. you. Wonderful. Anyway, we'll see everybody um, sometime next week, I guess, on our next, next episode. Bye. Bye. This episode was sponsored by the following companies. The Blogsmith. The Blogsmith is a holistic content marketing agency for B2B technology brands that creates data-driven content with a great reader experience. Visit theblogsmith.com to learn more. Thank you so much to our sponsors for this episode. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, using our database, or just want to say hi, go to underrepresentedintech.com. See you next week.